0: Uh, If you're looking in your pew Bible, that's found on page 946 of the blue pew Bible. Romans 10, verses 14 through 21. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out all to, out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did not Israel understand? First Moses says, I will make you, a, make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself who did not ask for me. But, is, but, Israel, he, but of Israel, he says, all the day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. We get news from all over the place. There's 24-hour news stations for any number of things for political news, for sports news, for entertainment news. We have newspapers, magazines and websites. There's this funny commercial I've seen where y- y- this guy will someone will ask him a question, he'll say a word like beach or something and he'll start to spout out all he knows about beaches and they they're saying we have search overload. We're inundated with information. We have all sorts of information at our fingertips. Paul, in, in, in chapter 9, and at the end of, or the end of 9 and, and through 10, has been dealing with the Jews and Gentiles. He talks about these distinctions, how they have sought after righteousness. And, and last week we talked about salvation, the heart of the gospel. What must you do to be saved? And now we come and, and we see the need for the gospel to be proclaimed. And so as we come to this passage, there's three things I want us to see. I want us to see the call to evangelism. Second, we'll see Israel's rejection. And then finally, we'll see God's compassion. So first, let's look at at this call to evangelism. We We could easily have taken this whole sermon and done just on these four questions. We see here in verses 14 and 15. Paul indeed, as he said last week, has a desire to see all the Jews saved. He has this desire in him. And so he comes and he asks these four questions. First, he says, how can they call upon him whom they have not believed? And this is the obvious place to start, isn't it? How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And so I think he's addressing this in in two ways. First, I think he's talking about those who just don't believe. These are people who have heard the gospel. They've heard the word preached and they don't believe it. I think we can understand this very easily. We live in a place that has cultural Christianity. Christianity is something that is all around us. If you were to go out from here and go on O'Neill Road and head towards 49, I was thinking about this yesterday. I think there's at least, if not more, three churches between here and 49. 49. There are churches all over. People know the gospel. They know who God is. They know who Jesus is. But just because they know these things, it does not mean they believe them. They have chosen, some have chosen not to believe. They've heard the gospel. They might even believe that there's a God, and maybe that even Jesus is the Son of God. And yet they do not call him. They do not, they do not confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that he has been raised from the dead we'll go on to see that this is true of the Jews as well but as we look here I think there's something else that he's saying it's not only those who just not have believed but it's those also who have not heard and so he asks the next logical question how and how are they to believe in him who they have never heard and so what we see here is a call to preach the gospel. It's the necessity of the word. You know, we've been going every week through the, our Westminster Confession of Faith, the Shorter Catechism. If we, we have, and it's been a while since we've read this, but question number three asks this, what do scriptures principally teach? And the answer is, the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty require, God requires of man. It's through the scriptures, it's through the preached word of God that we know what, what God requires of us and what duty he has for us. It's the, it shows us the necessity of the word of God. It shows us, the word of God teaches us and shows us what we must have for salvation. And so what does this mean for us? It means that we can't take the word of God for granted. We cannot take the word of God lightly. We know, as, as Paul tells us in, in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, we know that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's one of the Timothys. Anyway, we know that that's what Scripture is. But ultimately, it's Christ who speaks. It's Christ who speaks this word He says in in, in Matthew, those who hear my voice will respond. My sheep will respond to my voice. He is the one ultimately who speaks. However, he uses us as his instruments. Paul Tripp, uh, Paul David Tripp, has written this book called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. And we're called to be instruments in his hands. and, And it's a good book. I commend it to you. And he argues in it that in the church, we have far more consumers Of Christianity than committed participants. He says there's we have far more consumers. We just have people who come and have their needs filled in church than we do have than we have committed participants. But if we're just going to be consumers, then how will they hear the word of God? How will they hear of the one they've never heard? So there's a call to preach, to, to speak about God. But how will they hear? How will they hear if, if they, without someone preaching? And so this is Paul's third question. How are they to hear without someone preaching? The call is to preach and teach the word of God. And I think we can see this on, in two parts. The implication is that we have to have preachers. The word here is tied very closely to the word herald, to herald the word, to put information out. In the ancient world, a, a herald was someone who would bring information, and he would cry it, and people would hear what was going on. It was it was the news media of the day, and we're called to be, to have heralds, heralds. I think this is very specifically, in a way, a, a call to preachers. We can see this in in Timothy, uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy four two tells us that we are. To, this is a Paul's his commendation. To Timothy, He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is a passage you'll hear at many ordination services of, of the charge to a young preacher to go preach the word. And so it is, we have, the, on one hand, we have a, a people who are called to be preachers of the word. I think we we are tempted at that point to say, I'm off the hook, I don't have to do it. If it's those, we need preachers, then that's good, we have preachers, they can go do it. However, it's not just preachers. This word here is the Greek word keruso, which means to proclaim, to preach. And we are all called to proclaim. Isn't this what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission? He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, in the name of the, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is the, the command to all of us. We're to all go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. As Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, we're to put... God's word in our hearts. We're always to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that is in us. We're called to be people who proclaim and teach the word of God. So do we have a heart that overflows with the love and the grace that has been given to us? One of my favorite hymns is the hymn How sweet and awful is the place. And and in the last verse, it says this We long, we long to see thy churches filled, that all the chosen race may with one heart and with, with one voice and heart and soul sing thy redeeming grace. Do we long to see God's churches filled? Is this a longing that we have in our heart? we are about to be we we are to be about the business of evangelism it's not just for preachers it's not just for missionaries it's for all of us we're all to, to live the gospel out in our life we're all to proclaim the good news we are to teach if we are not teaching if we are not proclaiming then how are they to know about God and then he goes to his next question How are they to preach? How are they to preach unless they are sent? Missions, the word missions, is not a word you will find in the Bible. And yet here, we have a very good description of it. And so who sends people out? People must be sent out. Well, first, we must understand it's God who sends out people. Matthew 9, 38 says, Therefore pray earnestly, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. It's God who ultimately sends out laborers. And we know that, that the previous verse says that the labor, or that the harvest is plentiful. And so we are to do this. We are to be laborers both locally and abroad. The Great Commission goes on to tell us, he sends them to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of of the earth however it's not just God who sends people out yes he sends people out but he sends people out through us Paul is a great example of this he was sent out by the apostles to be an apostle to the Gentiles he was sent out and he went on these missionary journeys at the end of Romans we'll get to Romans 15 and we'll see that he's longing to go to Spain and and he says to the Roman church I hope that you can help me in this that you can hope send me on to Spain. So it's a good thing to support missionaries. It's a good thing that this church gives money to missionaries. But I think we have to ask this question as a point of application, is how important is this to us? Do we give just enough to make us feel good? Do we long to see the churches all around the world filled? How will people ever know about Jesus? How will they ever believe in the gospel if the word is not preached? And how will that word ever be preached if we are not sending out people? But we also have to understand that we are sent. We are sent here where God has us. The Great Commission sends you right where you are. You are to be teaching and proclaiming the gospel right where you are. Are you proclaiming the gospel to those around you so they might hear and believe? This is something we have to be doing. God works through his people. And it's a beautiful thing he says here at the end of verse... uh, End of verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Do we see our missionaries in this way? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Do we see our our preachers in this way? But I think we also have to ask this question What do your feet look like? Do people look at you and say, How beautiful are their feet? Because they're teaching the good news. What do your feet look like? It's kind of a personal question, I guess, in some ways. So we must be about the business of preaching the gospel. We must. It must be reflected and play out in our life. And so we see the call to evangelism, but now I want us to see Israel's rejection. It it seems in some ways like Paul has been on a two-verse tangent. As we've gone through... Uh, the last few weeks, we've, we've seen Israel's self-righteousness at the end of, of chapter 9, and, and we've seen Paul's desire for their salvation. If we were to stop right here right now, we might think, oh, well, Israel just needs to hear the gospel. They just haven't heard it. Paul's calling us to go preach the word to Israel. However, we don't stop right here, and we go on, uh, in, starting in verse 16, and we see Israel's rejection. 16 says this, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For the Lord, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? This is a, a quote from Isaiah 53, and, and a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, we looked at Isaiah 53. It came up in our reading uh, on Sunday morning as we've as we've read through Isaiah. And he's saying, Who has believed? What he has heard from us. And what does Isaiah 53 tell us about? It tells us about a man who was despised and rejected. It tells us about a man of sorrows. It tells tells us about him who was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. They have rejected the foretold Messiah. And so, to to not be confused, Paul asked two questions based upon his four questions he just asked us. He says, well, maybe they haven't heard. Have they not heard? If you were thinking, you might say, well, well, Paul, they just haven't heard the gospel. They haven't heard the good news. But Paul answers this with with quoting Psalm 19.4. He says, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. They have heard this gospel. I think we can see this in in, in many ways. I I think it's no mistake that Paul is continuously quoting the Old Testament. As part of Israel's self-righteousness, they knew the the Old Testament. They knew the scriptures. They knew the word of God. And Paul is telling them, the word has gone out to you. You've heard it. Christ has been revealed to them in the Old Testament. However, it's not only this. He's also been revealed to them in the New Testament, quite literally. When Jesus sent out his 12 apostles, he said, Don't go to the Gentiles. I want you to go to the Jews. Proclaim the word to the Jews. You think about Pentecost and the 3,000. These were Jews from all over the world. And they heard the word and they believed the word. And they went back out and took it with them. John Stott in his commentary says, this is talking about part of the whole. He argues that every place where Jews were, the message was preached. They, they had heard, the Jewish nation had heard about this message. And so they, they indeed heard about Jesus. They knew about what he had done. So maybe your next question is, well, maybe they heard, but maybe they just didn't understand, right? And Paul addresses this one as well. He says, first Moses says, This is a quote from Deuteronomy 32:21, I, "I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry." In Sunday evening, we've been going through the Book of Jonah, and we've been talking about as, as God is sending Jonah to Nineveh, a wicked and evil nation. And one of the things we've talked about is is that God is doing this to to provoke Israel to repentance. He's trying to make them jealous and make them come back to him. The word here is used as a foolish nation. This this could be translated without understanding. They, They have no understanding of God, this nation. They have no knowledge of him, and yet that is who he's coming to. So what's going on here? Why does this prove that Israel understands? Well, I think we have to consider the fact that they became jealous. This is what James Montgomery Boyce said. He says, the anger and jealousy of Israel shows that they know what's going on. They understand, if they didn't understand, why would they become jealous and angry? If, if the Gentile nations were just continuing in their foolishness, then you would just say, oh, well, those foolish Gentiles don't know what they're talking about again. But no, they respond in anger and jealousy. They understand what's going on. We go on and we see Paul's second response to their question in Isaiah 65, 1. He says, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself by those who did not ask for me. And we see two characteristics of the people that God went to. He went to those who did not seek him. And he showed himself to those who did not ask for him. These... Are the Gentiles. And we we see Israel's or even Jonah's response in the book of Jonah. He's angry that God wants to go to these people, and so he flees. And we see this in the New Testament as well. The Jews respond in anger as as the as Gentiles receive this message. And so Israel's angry and their hearts are hardened, and they reject what they have heard, and they reject what they have understood. And yet as we come to the end here, we see that God has compassion on them. Verse 21 says, But of Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. On the one hand, we have those who did not seek God. We, did not ha- we have those who did not call on God. And on the other hand, we have Israel, who all the day long God holds his hands out to them. To this disobedient and contrary people. I think if we were to go, or I know if we were to go to the Old Testament, we would see this pattern repeating over and over again with Israel. The pattern, and this is somewhat of a a broken down pattern, I'm kind of trimming it up, but God comes to Israel and he makes them a people. They then fall away, and chase after other gods. And then God comes back and calls his people to repentance. And sometimes, and oftentimes, there's punishment in there as well. We could go to the book of Judges and see a great model of this. Over and over in the book of Judges, we have this sentence. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Over and over and over and over again in the book of Judges, we see this line. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so what does God do? He sends a judge to them. And generally they repent. And they come back to God after the judge comes. We see this picture in Exodus. God delivered them out of bondage of Egypt. He showed them many signs and wonders. Yet they grumble and they complain. They said they would go as far as to say, we'd be better off back in bondage. We'd be better off back in slavery. And Moses would come to the people and they would repent. We see a God in the Old Testament who is patient. Who is long-suffering. And I think there's a great application. There's two particularly that I want us to see here. First, we are the people who are not a people. We are the people who God has come to. Through Christ, we now have access to God. God. And because of this, the name Christian must be our identity. Is this true for us? Is this true today? Do you have the identity of, as of a Christian? If so, everything that we talked about before this is going to play out for you. Are you calling? Are you preaching and, and teaching the name of Christ? Do you long to see the church? God's churches filled. If we are Christians then this is what we must do. This must be our character. We must have the character of a Christian. And yet I think there's another thing that's going on here. There's a a call to urgency. We saw this in in our passage today from from Isaiah. It was in Isaiah 55 verse 6 it said it said this Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near this is something we see in Hebrews as well Hebrews 3 verses 12 through 15 says this take care brothers lest there be any of you in any of you an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, as in the rebellion. The call here is that today you need to call upon Christ. There is a time coming when it will no longer be today. There will be a time when God is no longer near. When Christ comes again, it will no longer be today. And so today, if you hear this gospel, today, if you hear this good news, then confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he has been raised from the dead. You cannot live your life any way you want. I've I've heard it said that there's these people who will say, I, I'm gonna get to God when I get to God, but I'm not ready for it right now. And so they put it off and they put it off, and they just live how they want to live. But there is a warning here that today will not always be today. There's coming a time when, when God will not be near. So you must come, you must repent before a God who is gracious and merciful. As it says here in Romans, a God who is holding out his hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And so we're called to evangelism. We're called to not reject as Israel has rejected. I think we can fall into a trap and we can, we can think that we are better than Israel. But the reality is that we are no better than then Israel. We are tempted by all sorts and manner of things to fall away from God, to seek after other gods. We create idols in our hearts. We put up barriers and say, God, you can't you don't have a place here. This is mine. This is just for me. And we cannot do this. We cannot be like Israel. We cannot be like those who have, who have rejected God. Yet we must come and understand that we do have a God who holds his hands out to us. Through Jesus Christ we have this access. We who are not a people have been made a people. And this is God's compassion. This is the compassion that he has for us. And so that's my prayer, that we would know this good and gracious God, that we would turn to him. That we would not be an obstinate and hard-necked people that we would not harden our hearts as Israel has hardened their hearts, but that we would come, that we would know what Christ has done for us, that we would know the love of God, that we would hear the word, that we would believe the Word, that we would confess with our mouth, that Jesus is indeed Lord, that we would believe. In our hearts that he was raised from the dead and that it would affect all aspects of our life that we would would surrender all to Jesus let's pray dear most gracious heavenly father we thank you that as we come to you you offer the free gift of the gospel to us Lord it is nothing that we have done there's nothing in us but it's all in the shed blood of Jesus Christ we thank you we thank you that you have done this for us, for we are not deserving. Lord, I pray that if we know this truth, that you would remind it of us every day, that we would not keep, keep little idols in our hearts. And Lord, if there are any here that do not know this truth, I pray that today they would hear your voice and they would confess this truth. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.